Support for a quick timeout podcast is brought to you by our friends at Dr. Dish Basketball. College and professional teams from around the country rely on Dr. Dish shooting machines to help improve their players' development. Whether it's in the gym or at home in your driveway, Dr. Dish will improve your basketball workouts. To find out more about how Dr. Dish can help your program, visit drdishbasketball.com. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and you're listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. We have conversations with basketball coaches from around the country focused on specific topics designed simply to help grow the game. Thanks for downloading and listening to a Quick Timeout Podcast. I'm Coach Tony Miller, and today we're privileged to have joining us Mike Lee, performance coach and keynote speaker of MindShift Labs and author of the book Untrain, Optimize Your Mind Through Mindfulness Through Sports, Business, and Life. Mike, thanks for joining us today. You bet. It's good to be here. I'd like for listeners to kind of have context for this conversation that we're going to have, and probably the best way to do that is by just simply having you kind of tell us kind of how you got to this point in your career. You can feel free to start wherever you'd like. It really all started after my sophomore year in college. A friend of mine and me were having a conversation about running a summer basketball camp in our hometown. We grew up in the middle of absolutely nowhere in central Wisconsin and just wanted to provide an experience for the kids in the community. It was a town of about 12,000 people. And we put together a summer basketball camp. I designed a designed, if you're watching a video, I'm using air quotes because I designed a flyer in Microsoft Word on my mom's computer and printed it out and took it all over town and emailed it to people who actually had an email address at that time. I think this is back in 2003. And the first year we had 100 kids that showed up at this camp. And second year we were at 200. And the third year we had close to 300 kids. And instead of going into the college basketball world and, and trying to build a career there, I decided to build out a camp and AAU basketball training business. And that just kind of grew every year. We, we had a training facility in Milwaukee, ran camps literally around the world from Indonesia across the United States to Spain and worked with, you know, probably about a, a couple dozen MBA guys over the course of the, the 10 years we had this organization. But I grew up in Wisconsin and lived in Milwaukee for several years and just really battled with winter depression. I used to just get incredibly depressed during the winters. And about six years ago, I just made a decision that I was going to move out to Southern California for the winter. I decided I was going to go out for about six months and just see how it was. So I moved out to, to LA and it was January. It was sunny out and I was feeling amazing, way better than I'd ever felt during the winters in Wisconsin before. And I decided to get off this antidepressant medication that I'd been on at, for about 14 years at that point. When I went through this experience, I realized that I had a, a deeper purpose in my life than to just be teaching basketball. And instead of building basketball players, I wanted to build people. And as a coach, you know, you're you're spending time doing those things. You're you're teaching life lessons through the game, using the game as a vehicle to do that. But instead of doing that 20% of the time or 30% of the time, I wanted to be doing that 100% of the time and just use the experiences in my life in order to just help other people 
along their journey and help them unlock that human potential that resides within all of us. I hear you. I've heard you use the term or the phrase before the holistic player development. How do you feel like what you do or what you've done with athletes is different from a typical player development coach? Well, I'll speak to what we did in the basketball space. And really it was about 2011 or so. We just kind of, I don't even know where this came from. It was, well, what actually where it came from was we were running a player development coaches clinic strictly around player development. We did no X's and O's, no offensive strategy, anything like that. It was all about individual player development. And I really started to think when we were running this event, like how do we, what does it really take to build the complete player? Putting together all, all our different experiences and realize that, yeah, lots of players work on their skills and lots of players work on their body. They're in their weight room, in the weight room. And that's kind of the required price of admission. But you also have to, now be working on training your mind. Like everybody that's ever been in any sport, right? Mm -hmm. Believes that the mental side of the game is super important, but we don't intentionally train it like we train our skills and like we train our body. And so at that point we started to incorporate the mind, the body and the skills. And that's really, those were really the three pillars of what we call holistic player development. There's one aspect that I know coaches especially will be interested in. And we use the phrase a lot, being a mentally tough player. Mm -hmm. So I guess the first question to start is, how do you define mental toughness or what does that look like to be a mentally tough player? And maybe what are some practical suggestions for those coaches that are listening to, to build mentally tough players? Yeah, one of, my, one of my biggest pet peeves when I was in the coaching space was – when I'd be recruiting a kid or watching a game and I'd see another coach yell at another kid to focus, Billy, you just got to focus. It's like, yeah, obviously we want him to focus, but do you ever yell at a kid? Hey, you just got to make shots, right? It's not, it's the shots happen because you made 30,000 threes during the summer working on extending your range, right? And there's drills and practices that we put into place in order to drive a certain result. And it's the same thing when we're working on things like building our, our mental capacity, our mental performance. So your question around mental toughness, really, I, I define it as being able to stay fully locked in in the present moment amidst the chaos and the uncertainty and the change that surrounds us during the game or life or practice or whatever the environment is that you're in at that time. But it's really about how do I place my attention and my energy consistently into the present moment? So essentially that what I'm hearing you say is that idea of just minimum, uh, not just, but there is an aspect of minimizing distractions. How, how, how do you help players understand that? And how do you help them minimize those distractions that are, the thoughts that are intruding in or, or coming in that are crowding out or keeping them from being focused on, on the task at hand? Yeah, answer that in a couple of ways. I think we can't really minimize distractions from the standpoint of controlling the environment, right? Especially in a game, right? We're keeping in the basketball world. Um, if you're in a game, you can't control what happens externally, but you can control to a certain extent where you're placing that attention and energy, right? I think there's there's a lot of emphasis on sustained focus, being able to lock in in the moment. But I think what is 
equally important and maybe even more important is the sustained awareness. The awareness, that consistent wide awareness of where we're placing our attention and our energy on any given moment. And then if we catch our attention drifting, being able to redirect it back to the task at hand. That's that's really the the key with having a mindfulness practice is creating that awareness. Yes, you are going to train your mind to just be more locked in. You use the phrase lock in, and I've heard you talk before about kind of getting players and helping players get to that peak performance level. We hear about it, you know, from time to time with the greats that play the game, whether that's, you know, Jordan or LeBron or even in a, a football and in football like Tom Brady, you know, I, I couldn't miss because I was just so locked in and, you know, the basket looked however big and, or like, you know, every single read I knew it was coming from, how, how do you get players or help you, how do you help players get towards that peak performance? Is it just implementing the things that we just talked about? Or do you feel like there is kind of a way to get them to achieve that consistently? Because one of the things that I hear a lot with sports is those moments, especially with, immature or younger players are few and far between like they don't happen all the time yeah um, so how, how do you get younger players to experience more consistently those peak performance levels first thing is i would say at the at the younger age you're coaching middle school high school players you almost have to drop your expectations as to how much they're actually going to get into those states because they haven't put in enough time in order to have the preparation to be able to do so. And what I mean by that is getting into a flow state, a lot of it is about being able to let go of that analytical part of your mind and just drop into the moment and be able to let your training take over. And at that age, you haven't had enough training in order to let that, uh, let your training just take over. You know, the Navy, Navy SEALs say we don't, rise to the occasion, we default to our level of training. And that's really, it's when they're talking about uh, flow state, really your, your, whatever your training is, is going to be a component of that flow state in that, or getting to that, that place of peak performance. So that comes from your physical preparation, meaning you know working on your body that comes from your preparation of your skills. And that also comes from your mental preparation, right? And when I say mental preparation, that, that could mean managing your state before a game. Um, and that could be, I'll, I'll use music as an example. Lots of, lots of players and maybe, you know, coaches, you know, you'll see kids listening to me. Let, I'll, I'll use a high school team as an example, right? You're on the bus going to a high school game and kids if you got half the kids on the bus that are got their headphones on and listening to music what kind of music are they listening to usually <laughs> what do you, what do you think the, it's usually something with a beat something loud something oftentimes with words right exactly right and if they're going into a high stress environment a chaotic game and they're listening to high energy music going into that game they're putting too much stress on their nervous system and they're literally going to wear themselves out before they get to the game, just from a mental standpoint. So really having awareness of what state do I need to be in? And then really, if you're going to use music, using music to cultivate that state, right? If I'm going into a, 
if I'm going into a, a conference championship game my senior year and it's the last game I'm ever going to play as a high school player, I probably don't need to get mm -hmm. hyped up for that game. I probably need to be doing something to calm my nervous system down. If you're playing a team that you just beat by 30 points two weeks ago and, and you played amazing, you might be taking that game a little lightly. And maybe that's a game you need to be listening to more high energy music to get yourself up for that game. All right. So I think it's really, it comes down to self-awareness as to what you need in that moment for that game. Let me ask a follow-up to that. Yeah. Just so that we're clear, because I think most listeners can probably deduce this on their own, but how then should that impact the coach? Who's it preparing his team for a game like the one that you just described? What kinds of things and what kinds of his, even his voice, his tones that he's using, the 100%. words, the excitement, like how should that impact? Yeah. I mean, going to, going back to the, the coach, right? You're in this game, right? You're playing this high stress game and just the tone of voice you're using. Uh, it's, it's so important. I mean, I think there's, I don't know ex the exact numbers, but a huge percentage of our, the communication that we, re we receive has nothing to do with what is actually said. It, it has to do with how it's said and our body language when it's said. So, you know, a classic example is I was coaching when I was, co I actually coached college basketball for a year. And there was a guy on our staff who had played a year in the, uh, played a year in the NBA, played for the Mavericks. And one thing that he brought to my awareness when, when we were coaching was that at the end of the games, our, our guys didn't really play that well. And they would all, and if it was a tight game at the end of the game and there was 30 seconds left and we had to, you know, you had to, to perform, you had to go out and make a play. Our guys didn't do well in that environment. And one thing that he brought up to me was he's like the coaches in the NBA are so good about understanding what players need in that moment. If there's 30 seconds left in the game and you're down by one and you're drawing up the set that you're going to run when your players got to, got to get into the action at, at nine seconds left in the game and you're yelling at them during that timeout, that's not going to play out well for the last 30 seconds of the game. If you're doing it in a calm, collected uh, demeanor and you are, are showing up with just a lot of presence and focus, players pick up on that. A leader or a team is a direct reflection of their coach. A leader's or a team's energy is a direct reflection of the energy that the coach has, whether that's him being trying to bring players up when they need to be brought up, whether that's getting them to calm down when they need to calm down. It's really the presence and the poise that they show up with that will reflect on their team. The best basketball coaches are relying on data more than ever. That's why coaches love Huddle Assist. With Assist, you'll get full game breakdowns, including complete team and player stats, in less than 24 hours. Your stats are ready when you need them. And Assist is more than just a box score. Use interactive reports like shot charts and advanced stats, like lineup data, VPS, and of course, effective field goal percentage to coach smarter. Plus, Assist brings your stats to life. Every stat is marked on the video at the moment it happened. See every shot, turnover, rebound, and much more with just a few clicks. Want to see how Huddle Assist is elevating basketball? Visit huddle.com slash assist. That's huddle.com slash assist to find out more. One of the phrases that you've heard um, or that you've used several times, just being self-aware. I, I do want to talk about emotional intelligence 
and how that is important for a coach. It's a phrase that is becoming more and more popular, although some may may not really understand what we're referring to. Can you talk about like what that is exactly and how that is important for a coach? And then also maybe how that impacts how they coach their teams. Well, I'll define three things before we get into that. And that'll kind of set some context for what we talk about next. But it's just the three terms that are mindfulness, meditation, and emotional, emotional intelligence kind of get interchanged by a lot of people that I have conversations with. There's a lot, there's a lot of confusion around it because they are really similar. So the way I define it is mindfulness is the ability to create the awareness of your thoughts, your feelings, and your actions in the present moment. Emotional intelligence is figuring out the second layer of that. It's creating awareness of what's driving my thoughts, what's driving my feelings, what's driving my actions in the present moment. Meditation is nothing more than an exercise, a mental training exercise to train those levels of awareness. And so as far as a coach and becoming more emotionally intelligent, it's really around it, well, let me, I'll actually add a couple more uh, definitions here just for context for around emotional intelligence. There's a guy by the name of Daniel Goleman. He's actually the one who coined the phrase emotional intelligence and he put him into, put it into four buckets and it's your self-awareness, awareness of yourself, your thoughts, your feelings, your actions. I don't know the, exactly how he describes it. Your social awareness. And this is really where the relationship with the, the players comes in, right? If you're in a timeout and you're yelling at a kid in a timeout, but his, he's not making eye contact with you and he's kind of shying away from you, you have to be able to pick up on you know, socially, be aware of their body language so that you can communicate in a way that connects with them. Um, that would be the, the second part, the social awareness. And then it's self-management, being able to manage your own emotions and then relationship management, being able to communicate in a way and to, to manage the, the relationship that you have uh, with those, with the emotions that are being communicated between two people, right? Between you and the players that you're working with. But uh, to me, it really, you know, it starts with yourself, right? You can't lead others until you can lead yourself. And if you're expecting your players to be calm and collected and go out and play with poise, if you don't have the awareness of how you're showing up and the behaviors that you're modeling, that's the first place that you got to start. During this time that we're going through and kind of um, being not aware just of yourself, but then also of your players and what they're experiencing. We talked even before we got on here, kind of the impact of COVID and the mental health of players um, and how that impacts their mindfulness. Are there any kind of suggestions that you have or things that you've seen or maybe some unique circumstances that have been presented because of the stress and the, the situations from the outside that people are encountering that basketball coaches particularly could benefit from? Yeah, I think, you know, people are craving connection more than ever. And I think it's just brought a lot of that to the surface. COVID's brought a lot of that to the surface. I think that's always been there. And I think we've been really disconnected for a long time because we have a superficial level of connectivity through social media. And I think social is great for a lot of things. I think it's amazing for creating connections online so that you can take them offline and develop real meaningful relationships and connections with people. But 
I think, you know, with kids, depending on where you're at, not being in school, not being able to have those interactions, I think has brought a lot of this disconnection to the surface. And so as a coach, I think it's, you know, depending on, on where you're at and what the regulations are and, and what you can actually do, I still think there, there are things that you can do in order to create those connections with your kids. I mean, I don't, I don't see a reason why you can't set up a schedule where before practice and after practice for five to 10 minutes, you're checking in with a new player, just personally, just check in with them off the court. Don't even talk about basketball. What can they do in order to, or what can you do in order to just show up for somebody really and, and uh, let them know that you're there for them. Let them know that you care. Let them know that, that, you know, that things are going on beyond basketball and, and you're there for them, whatever it is. Right. And there, there's no reason that you can't do that with every kid on your team throughout the course of a, a, a couple of weeks, right? You can go through everybody within a couple of weeks. And I think just doing something consistently, schedule it, just like you'd schedule practice. I'm going to schedule this five minute check-in, this 10 minute check-in with a kid before or after practice for the rest of the season. I think just doing something simple like that. I also think there's, you know, are you familiar with the five love languages? Yes. Okay. So I'm married. Of course I'm familiar with those. <laughs> My wife makes me aware of those has made me aware of which ones I'm doing well in and which ones hers and which one I need to work on. So yes, I'm, I'm well aware of them too. And that's why I'm not married. <laughs> <laughs> the reason I bring that up is I think it's a really great framework to check in with kids. Hmm. And I think, man, if I was coaching a team or if I was leading a business or managing manage a bunch of people right now, I would have every single person, every player, anybody that I have a relationship with, within a professional setting, within a, a team setting, I am making them take that test so that I can show up for them better. Right. You know, an example is you got a kid that is, so for people who don't understand or don't know what we're talking about, the five level languages, the five, it's basically, there was a, a marriage and family therapist who created this framework to help couples communicate better because he saw all these marriages that were essentially being that were falling apart because couples didn't know how to communicate so he 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 drew all these uh conclusions from from all the data that there were five ways that people communicated and that was through acts of service through physical touch through quality time through gifts and through physical touch did i already say that Yes. <laughs> so not There's twice. Not there it's yet. what am I missing? Acts of service, quality time, gifts, physical touch. And I was literally just reading this last night. Anyways, you can look it up. But there's basically five different ways that people feel like they are receiving love. And so if a kid is going home every night, and their dad's yelling at him because they didn't take enough shots in the game. And you're also communicating to him in that way. There's going to be a major breakdown there, especially. And, and so going back to these, these love languages, right? Maybe this kid's love language is physical touch. And obviously like we're in the middle of COVID, right? But maybe the thing that that kid needs more than anything is not somebody telling him what he should be doing, what he needs to be, be doing more of or less of or whatever it is but maybe that kid just needs a hug, right? 
And, and that, that is the way that that kid's going to feel loved and feel safe and, and feel connected to, and that's, what's going to bring out the best in him. Mm. And so I, I would, that, that would be another thing that I think you can do it. And there's a lot of these, these, the five languages or five ways to show appreciation to your players would be a great way to start a great way to connect with them during this time it might be you know if their their languages is gifts maybe it's you find an article that would be impactful for them or a book that they should read or or something that you can do for them that that makes them feel needed loved safe and that you're connecting to them Words of affirmation and quality time. One of those two we didn't get. Quality time, that's the one. That's the one I always forget because it's not mine. <laughs> <laughs> so this, is, this has been great. And it's been um, a lot of what you've talked about. It's kind of the purpose behind my show is to give people a little bit of it so that they'll go and hopefully research it a little bit more. So before we completely wrap up, where can people find out more about the things that you're talking about and about you and can connect with you? Yeah, best place to connect with me is either on Instagram or LinkedIn at who is Mike Lee. Uh, you can also reach out to me at Mike at mindshiftlabs.com. Perfect. That's Mike Lee. Does a little bit of everything. Mindfulness is his thing and does a great job. Um, appreciate you coming on here and appreciate you talking with us today. Thanks for having me on, man. It was great. That'll do it for this episode. Thanks so much for listening. We'll talk to you again at the next time out.